Welcome to another episode of Ibar's Longbox. This week, Josh and Paul will sit down and talk Unity. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode discussing Harbinger 36. Enjoy the show. Uh, so what are we going to talk about today, Josh? Well, you just did Unity, right? In your in your retrospective on Valiant Central? Yes, I did. Let's talk about that, because, I mean, Unity is awesome. It's probably a good thing to talk about, because I am barely past it, and I'm kind of stalled right now. You're stalled uh, on... Taking a little, uh, I'm, just, I'm, I'm taking a little hiatus from uh, writing the articles. Just a little too much going on uh, outside of Valiant Central. Um, but I I got to Rise Zero, so that's not a bad place to take a little break. Read Rise Zero, let it sink in for a little bit, you know? Um, but yeah, so Unity, um, to start with... Uh, even before I read any V1 books, Unity was already clearly a point of delineation with VH1 comics. Uh, you know, everything was there's pre-Unity and there's post-Unity. And I was kind of surprised to see how early Unity was in the timeline of, of these books being published because the way most people made it sound was that everything was great pre-Unity and then post-Unity was when everything changed. And I was like, this is pretty quick to change. Like, there's still a lot of books that are the best-known stuff that haven't even come out yet. Yeah. Uh, so, what are your what are your thoughts of when Unity came out? Where, uh, if if I remember correctly, you didn't start reading back in the '90s until post Unity, right? That's right. Yeah. So Unity pre Unity that was all stuff that I got uh, later. Um, you know that that it drives me crazy when people talk about how only pre Unity is good. And after that, nothing was good. Um, I hear that sometimes from people, and it, it drives me bonkers, because that's when I came in, was was post-Unity, pre-Chaos Effect. Boy, that was a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> and I think there's a lot of great stuff in there. So, But Unity is a great crossover. It's probably one of the best yeah, I've was- ever read. Yeah, the, the scope of it is huge, um, and I, I agree with you that uh, you know delineating pre and post Unity. There's definitely that's a, a big changing point in the company. I was very surprised to see that basically right after Unity was when Jim Shooter left. Yeah, editorially I, I there was a big shift, um, but I think and quality wise there's a shift too. Um, I mean, the stories are told in a different way, and the you know there's. They add more books, so you know stuff slips through the cracks a little bit more. Uh, and Bob Layton, who took over as editor in chief, he's not—I don't think he was as much of a crack the whip kind of guy as as Shooter was. Um, but there's still really great stuff that comes out. Yeah, and from everything I've heard about Shooter too, is he was more of a micromanager, and you saw that in uh, in the pre-Unity and the. Unity books is if he wasn't writing it, he was co-writing it, and uh, right. you know every, every book that he didn't write, I, you pretty much can get the tone that he said this is what this is what you're going to write for me, and you know whoever wrote it wrote it, and yeah. you, you can really see his control in everything. Well, even worse, and if it, he wasn't writing it and he wasn't co-writing it, he was rewriting it. <laughs> you know the 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 Steve Englehart XOs, uh, he really. Um, changed a lot to get the timelines to mesh. You know, the Harbinger kids ended up going on the moon for um, a couple months just so that the timelines could mesh. 
I mean, he, you know, it all it is super interconnected at that point. Mm-hmm. And and mm-hmm. Unity, yeah, and it, I think the, the to me, what's great about Unity and one of the successes of Unity is how interconnected a crossover it is. I mean, you even get duplicate panels, which I kind of love. So there were, you know, there were really pluses and minuses in my opinion with that. Um, and uh, I, I think it's kind of indicative of of that whole first run of, of Valiant, and it's really amazing what they did with the level of control that Jim Shooter kept over everything, of keeping everything so cohesive. But there were downsides to it too. Like there were definitely creative limitations with it. Uh, and like you said, they had the, the Harbinger kids go to the moon for two issues. I thought that that stuck out like a sore thumb. I didn't. I didn't really think that those were the greatest issues. Um, and the series just started. It's like it. It starts. I start getting interested, and they go to freaking space out of the blue, and uh, deal with a, a very misogynistic robot. I mean, come on. Uh, um, I, I was not a fan of those issues, and I, I think that for me, going back to Harbinger, where you know when people were first reading it, it was groundbreaking. Me going back, the stuff that was groundbreaking has been done. It's like uh, it's like the movie Pulp Fiction. It was amazing when it first came out. Now it's been re- it's been uh, copied so much that it's diluted. So if you go back and watch Pulp Fiction now, the only reason you think it's great now is because you know it was once great. Um, and so going back to Harbinger and not having experienced it the first time, I didn't really have that. And some of the uh, some of the negative qualities about it, like I I it t- it took me until uh, the end of the first like seven or eight issues to even really like it. And then looking back, I could see more of the, the positives in the earlier issues. And I definitely want to go back and read all those just straight through. Um, yeah, so for all the, the greatness of everything being so he- cohesive, there were definitely some uh, some downsides to it. And with Unity, with the, the repetition of the panels, uh, the way that I read it, reading one issue... I, I was trying to read, uh, read and write a review of an issue a day on that, which was a lot of work, and... Uh, I wasn't able to keep up with it because of other stuff coming up. Sure. Um, I think if I had just plugged through it, it would have read very differently, and I definitely still plan to go back and do that. But uh, you know, if you're picking up an issue at a time, it was it was a little choppy because of it. Yeah, there was a guy who did a fan project uh, a couple years ago where he did Unity in chronological order, mm-hmm. and and he uh, created a you know a file that uh, you know a CBR file that you could read it. And that, that was really neat to see um, all the panels in the right in the in chronological order, and to read the story that way. Um, and 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 as you're reading it, you're you're kind of wondering, oh, that is from Rye, and that one is from Harbinger, and um, that that was that was kind of neat. And, um, and it and it, it it the story still holds up that way. You you know, it's like watching. Going back to Pulp Fiction, it's like watching Pulp Fiction in chronological order. <laughs> but it does. It does hold up. Yeah. You know, one of the things I liked about the repetition of scenes is, uh, you know, they would have they would link it by having certain panels be exactly the same, but then they would turn the, the angle of the scene. And, you yeah. know, when it was Rai, you'd have the panel that was exactly the same, but then you get a different angle on it from Rai's perspective. So what were some of your highlights, um, some of the stuff that you really liked in Unity? So let's see. What were some of the highlights? Um, I guess before I, I, I got to get my mind rolling with it. So before I talk about what the highlights, I could talk about what I thought some of the, the issues with it were. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of the characters, I feel like they 
not they didn't necessarily do a bad job, but by tying them into the event, I don't think it was uh, doing justice to those characters. The, the one that stands out the most was Archer and Armstrong. Archer and Armstrong number zero was fantastic. I loved that. Like that first issue I read of Archer and Armstrong sold me on the series immediately, um, which was pretty cool too because Archer and Armstrong was the series that got me into VEI. Um, and then they get pulled into Unity, and it, it's it's just like okay, let's let's uh, make up a, a story for Archer and Armstrong in Unity. But they they didn't really tie in very much to to the grander scheme of what was going on. Uh, can like can you recall anything they did that had a major impact? Like if they weren't there, would it have changed anything? Um, they no. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. I, 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 for, like for going forward, it, it but... is because you got the Turok stuff. So that kind of speaks to what yeah. happens to his character, which you'll see later. Um, but as terms in terms of the event itself, not really. I mean, Archer tried to shoot Mother God, but that didn't happen. Yes, yeah, so that, that was uh... – they felt awkward in it, but I still don't think it was bad. And you know, we got the the fight between uh, Archer and Shadow Man, uh, which was was interesting. I, I thought it was uh, interesting in uh, in Valiant's uh, free comic book day issue. They had the section on the the best fights in Valiant history, and that was on the list of the best fights mm-hmm. uh, because it was just such a small little window. But it's just such a unique thing to see those characters. Uh, at odds with each other. And the only reason they were at odds with each other is they didn't know who the hell each other was. Um, so they both assumed that the other was doing something bad. Um, yeah, so they felt a little awkward. Shadow Man, I honestly felt a little awkward, but at least they uh, made him more important the story. Yeah, I, well, uh, what's cool about the Shadow Man rule in it, and I think it's one of the highlights, is that he is on the wrong side and he doesn't know it, and it was kind of neat to see him kind of be the bad guy. Almost. Yeah, I, I think I think what uh, the the hangup I had with it a little bit wasn't what he did. I like I think that just like you said, him being on the wrong side of things and not knowing it was very interesting. Um, I just don't think that the I think what it was is the character wasn't developed enough yet. Yeah, like he hadn't been around enough, so I didn't really know who Shadow Man was to to really have strong enough feelings about him yet. You know, well I and, uh, I will agree that Archer and Armstrong and Eternal Warrior. It's kind of weird that they would launch books in the middle of a crossover and mm-hmm. uh and you're right shadow man was pretty young too one another great thing though about the shadow man unity stuff is you get the shadow man's going to die in 1999 and that's really a theme that carries all the way to the very end of the series from this point forward mm-hmm. um yeah see stuff like that that so that you know that freshened my memory some some of the definitely some of the highlights were were some of the ways that uh and you see it a lot in Rise Zero, too. Like, Rise Zero is pretty much all of this. It's all tying together stuff in the future. Yep. And uh, to know Chris was pregnant, and then to find out the baby was Magnus, that's, like, right now it's still kind of like, why was that that way? But it's really interesting at the same time. It's like, you, they, they had, I mean, as of right now with what I've read so far, there's no reason that that baby had to be Magnus, but I'm sure that gets explored some more but it does explain why magnus has uh you know he he succeeded where all the other robot fighters that a1 tried to create failed because he's a harbinger yeah so that does make it pretty interesting but it's kind of it's kind of far out there but it works too 
Um, it also eliminates the baby from the Harbinger picture in a way that's not like they killed the baby or something to where we just got to really weigh down the series. Um, so now I, I think I've only read one issue of Harbinger post-Unity, and it was like kind of nice to see them be able to be like you know teenagers or young adults again instead of having all this like really weird heavy pressure on them. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're just like out trying to find jobs and find an apartment. Yeah, the 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 two issue, yeah, the two issues after are, are hardcore. Those are the last influences of Shooter on that title. Boy, it really is a transition after Unity. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, so I, I have mixed feelings. But one thing that's a little difficult for me with that is, aside from the fact that that I read uh, Rise Zero. And that we read one random late issue of Rye already in uh, Ivar's long box. Yeah, uh, I'm not really familiar with the, the post harb or the the post Unity Rye character. Um, I've heard plenty from people that uh, it's you know that it was so good before and then it's not so good after. But I don't like to let my opinion be colored uh, by that. And just like when we just uh, recently talked about uh, a Bloodshot issue on Ivar's long box. And because I didn't have anything tied to it, I was able to just enjoy reading it. Whereas you and Martin both viewed it in uh, the perspective of other stuff, sure. and it brought the title down for you guys. Um, I just a little bit I know about the the post Unity Rye. I like the character of the first Rye better, but I also am glad to see something finally happen. And I don't know how they were going to get his character out of the rut they had dug for him. Sure. Um, cause th- that title was, uh, uh, you know, the, the, the first arc was, was, you know, very political and it was just him. Like he, he wouldn't decide what to do. And it was kind of, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to see Ray be a badass, not mope about the fact that nobody liked him. Um, but he was really torn. Um, whereas, like, the first arc of Magnus, I felt was kind of the same thing. He was just moping about stuff, but I don't think that he was torn. I think he was just kind of a, a pussy. Um, he just was, like, he was, like, melancholy the whole time. And I, I just, I don't know. Ma- Magnus, I have not been thrilled by. Uh, the, the only arc I really enjoyed a lot with Magnus, well, I guess there were a couple. I, I liked the arc with Rai because I felt like it got him out of Northam, which is the environment that I think makes Magnus boring up to you know that point. Um, and when he's with Rai, he's out of that environment. He's exciting. Uh, when he goes back to Northam, I thought he went right back to being boring. Um, and then you get into the arc where he goes to find uh, the uh, the attempted robot fighters that A1 was trying to make. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a great arc. Um, and then, you know, in Unity, he just, I, I, you know, he didn't, I don't know, he didn't really do it for me that much. And now, you know, getting past Unity, I don't know. It's, I, I still haven't developed a love for Magnus. Um, the Mal of War is coming, man. Yeah. It's fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like it has to get better because stuff has to, like, the, the environment of Northam has to change, and I think the environment of Northam so far is is what has made Magnus boring because he doesn't want to fight for the Northam people anymore, but he doesn't want to fight against them, and he's kind of finally to the point where he's just like, "Screw you guys, you know, either leave me be or you're gonna, you know, or I am gonna fight against you. I'm not fighting for you anymore." It's it's finally getting there, and you're seeing other changes, you know, with uh, 
with uh, Legia getting power in Northam, and you know she's not like her father, where she just wants to you know put robots under her thumb, and so it's it's getting more interesting. But uh, yeah, so Rai dying, I thought it was good because where else were they going to go with stuff? Um, sure. He, I think that the event know, he, needed a death too, and. And yeah, that was a good character to do that with, and I'm, I'm sure that surprised everybody a lot too. And you know, and, and Valiant Dead means dead, and they pre, you know they proved that with a pretty big character pretty early. Well, what's you know? even more surprising is issue number eight comes out, and there's no Ryan in it at all, and it's still a really good <laughs> issue. Mm-hmm. Have you read that yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was because I read that before Ray Zero, and that was a very good issue, and I was glad that they did that too because. It really illustrated how much uh, was going on in, in the, the story of Rai. I mean, there was a lot outside of Rai that was great about that story. And I think that's what set Rai apart from the Magnus title. Is Rai, there was a lot to it. Magnus was, it's like, are, are you reading for the, the robots that are trying to kill all humans? Or are you, you reading for the, the spoiled, you know, humans? I mean, there was nobody really to root for. Magnus was caught in the middle and just like, I don't know what to feel. Um, <laughs> right, there was a lot. I mean, there were, there were opposing factions. You actually had reasons to, to feel for one side or another. Even if, even if you didn't know which side to choose as being right, you you felt torn by it yourself, not just like these are both annoying options. So I, I that's that's why I think Rai was a, a, you know, similar in a lot of ways to how Magnus was structured. Uh, with you know, there being a lot of politics involved and opposing sides, but Rai just had so much more interesting to it, um, and I, I can't wait to see what you know what happens from this point on with uh, with uh, Rai. Well, just remember from this point on, it's different. Yeah, <laughs> and don't don't judge the stuff that's coming off the stuff that already came too much. I mean, it's important to do that so that, you know, if you make something that's good, you always want to be making something that's good. But I think that the stuff that's coming is good in different ways. And, uh, I, I, you know, a 10-year-old me was really into it. <laughs> and the good news is that since all I've really heard is people bashing it for the most part, I'm going in with low expectations. So oh, okay. <laughs> and... It, that, that's also why I think that my, my initial perspective of Harbinger and Magnus, uh, in particular, uh, were off kilter. Is I, I heard such great things about them, and then I went into it, and I didn't see the greatness that people were talking about. Whereas with other titles, I did. You know, EXO I liked right off the bat quite a bit, um, and you know, Ar- Archer and Armstrong I actually never really heard it like. I got the general consensus that people liked Archer and Armstrong, but you didn't get the, you know... Like, even now you see people, you know, Valiant needs to bring back Solar and Magnus. How can they not do this? And people who didn't read, you know, the VH1 books back in the day are like, why the hell do we... Why, why, why would we want that, you know? Right. It, would, it wouldn't be a bad thing, per se, but we don't need it. It's clear that the, the stuff they're making is really good and it, not relying on Magnus and Solar. It, it is uh, good, and... and uh... And I think that newer readers are also seeing what just happened with those characters, and they're going, well, "Why would we want that?" <laughs> my my first taste of Magnus was uh, was Dynamite's Magnus. Yeah. Um, and I got to say, out of all the the Dynamite stuff, Magnus was the best for the few issues that I read. Um, I thought it was entertaining to read. Uh, I think when you compare it to the old Magnus, uh, 
for one, it was definitely drastically different. So I, you know, right away I was able to say this, okay, the VH1 Magnus has nothing to do with uh, the Dynamite Magnus, so I could separate them really easily. Uh, but you could see the, the, you know, difference in quality. But, uh, you know, still Fred Valenti's writing was very good on it, I yeah. thought. And, uh, oh shoot, what is his name? Uh, the artist, Corey, Corey Smith. Corey Smith, yeah. Corey Smith's art's great. I thought uh, that the the Magnus title from Dynamite was the most consistent of all of the Dynamite titles. Um, I think that the best arc, though, was the second Solar arc. That was really good. Yeah, I didn't get to that. I was starting to like Solar okay, but it was still... I, I just got to, you know... I, I wanted to, to like them, Yeah. but it just... You know, with having to maintain my comic budget, they, they didn't make the cut. Sure. But now, if I if I weren't doing if I if I didn't have the history with those characters and I weren't wasn't doing another because I'm doing way too many podcasts obviously <laughs> Martin Martin can't be off too much longer <laughs> uh, so if I wasn't doing that I you know I would have probably been a little crumpier about them so yeah. Yeah, see, I, I still wouldn't wouldn't mind uh, reading them, it, you know, picking up a highly discounted trade that you know <laughs> yeah. was was traded in or you know somebody threw out and I find by the side of the road, whatever. My I guess I is would... you'll find those. Well, not maybe by the side of the road because I probably didn't make enough of them. But <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you uh, went to a convention or something and you found it in a five dollar bin. Yeah, so you're uh, like if I found the uh, you know my my old comic shop has quarter bins and yeah. honestly I bet eventually those issues are going to wind up in bins like that. Sure, I'd probably pick up you know if I was picking them up four or five for a buck I would I would pick them up and read them and enjoy reading them. Um, it's just it's not worth the expense to me that's for sure. Sure. Um, so question. Uh, so uh, Dark Horse published uh, the gold key characters in between. They did. Val- yeah. Are those any good? Yeah, those are. Those are okay. Uh, Shooter did those. Yeah, um, a new Shooter was on it, which was kind of intriguing. Four issues of Magnus, uh, eight issues of Solar, four issues of Turok, and four issues of Mighty Samson. Plus, there was a uh, preview book released at um, C2E2. Uh, no, no, Free Comic Book Day. I'm sorry, Free Comic Book Day uh, had um, a little short story with Solar and Magnus, and they're they're okay. Um, I think the Mighty Samson is the best. Uh, I know the book that sold the best was Turok number one, and, and unfortunately, it took them six months for the second issue to come out. So that's stupid. <laughs> um, that's always a good. Solar was Solar was pretty good. The second arc, uh, he was trying to recapture the um, the magic of the of the Alpha and Omega. So he was doing a new Solar origin story and. He did that over four issues, and and that was interesting, but not not as good as Alpha and Omega because that is one of the best comics ever written in the history of comics, as far as I'm concerned. Um, yeah, I really like Mighty Samson. Uh, I, I Patrick Olaf did the artwork. He does a lot of Spider-Man books. Um, he did uh, he did Spider Girl for a while, which I really like, and he has a very basic, simple. Uh, heavy pencil style uh, of artwork and um, and I liked it. 
I like simple artwork for a lot of the times. Sometimes when stuff is too fancy, it drives me a little bonkers. You can't tell what's going on. But yeah, um, so that was my favorite of that. But those those books certainly could have been better. The Magnus was pretty weak actually in that. And then there was even even before that, uh, Louis Simonson got her hands on Ma- the Magnus IP, and through iBooks she published uh a story and that was really bad <laughs> uh, so back to unity yeah <laughs> <laughs> um yeah U- unity was was quite the event and with uh you know i've only been really reading comics for a few years aside from just like random things here and there sure um I guess it's probably been like four years now, but I'm definitely the type of person that when I get into something, I tend to get all into it or just give it up quickly. Like I, I, I don't kind of straddle the fence with stuff really. Um, so when I started getting into comics, I started reading some Batman, um, and then uh, you know I I didn't really know much uh, outside of you know the kind of more mainstream superhero stuff. Uh, um, aside from but before I got back into it, I, I read uh, Watchmen, I read Sandman, but I, I kind of wanted to stay away from superhero stuff at that time. So getting into superhero stuff, I kind of started with the stuff I knew best. So I started with Batman, and uh, then I did X-Men, and then I got into uh, the Avengers vs. X-Men crossover. Got all excited about it, I was able to pick up trades, uh, you know, they, they had like a free preview issue that had like a list of all these trades that you should get to read the backstory. I was able to pick those all up for for you know good prices at a, a bookstore that we have out here that has used stuff. And uh you know they were all enjoyable to read and stuff. And then you know the event starts, I'm all excited about it. And then not that much really happens. Mm. And you know I mean stuff happened. There's a big change with it, but you you know it was all supposed to be about this one character. That character ended up like not really having any meaning in the end and i just like i really felt like the payoff wasn't very good i felt like the middle issues were just totally bland um and the tie-ins i learned very quickly the tie-ins are crap um like all you know the 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 tie-in issues that weren't integral to the story or that weren't titles that i was already reading were terrible like i didn't like them at all um and you know at that point i that was kind of uh the the only other uh event before I got really into Valiant that I, I tried to do a little bit was uh, when Batman did the Court of Owls. Um, yeah. I was kind of picking up some of those, and then just once again I realized pretty quickly that the uh, the tie-in issues weren't really worth picking up unless I wanted to read that title anyways. Um, but then with Valiant, uh, Harbinger Wars was uh, the first event that actually got me to expand what I was reading with Valiant. Because um, I was reading Archer and Armstrong, and I was reading Bloodshot. And that, that was all at that point. And then I heard Harbinger Wars was coming out. It involved Bloodshot, and I liked Bloodshot. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll, I'll give Harbinger a chance now. So I read, I got caught up in Harbinger, and I liked it a lot. Um, and then when Unity came out, actually, I initially thought Unity was going to be an event, because I, at that point, knew a little bit about VH1. Um, this was before I was like getting involved in all like the fan community and stuff. Uh, but, you know, just around, you kind of hear stuff, whatever, on, on Facebook or whatever, and, uh, so I knew that, you know, the original Unity was an event, so I was assuming this was going to be an event, too, uh, so when I read Unity 1, 
uh, it's funny the the panel that you and Nick made fun of talking about it, where Exo shoots a guy's head through another guy's yeah. chest. That was that was the panel. I was like, that was like ridiculous, but pretty cool. I want to read Exo now. <laughs> when I went back and I read all of Exo, before that I had like kind of dabbled in a couple other titles, but when I went back and read all of Exo, I loved it. And that was that's when I just said I'm all in. Nick Nick, um, Nick loved that panel. That was just yeah, me who was complaining. <laughs> It's a con. It's like Martin complaining because uh, because the science behind something isn't no, completely accurate. No, no, no. It's not. It has nothing to do that. That little rant that he gave when we did our Side Lords episode, which I'm not even sure is out yet, uh, has is is nothing compared to how well thought out and reasoned. <laughs> Just because you scout what you say doesn't mean that it's not still a rant. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I like everything else in that book. I just thought that was a ridiculous thing. <laughs> yeah, and I, I like. I'm not even saying it's not ridiculous, but it was, yeah. you know, just like that issue of Bloodshot. It wasn't great, but it was enjoyable to read. Uh, and you, one of the things that I like that Valiant does is, uh, you know, a lot of comics either they tone down any kind of kill scenes to where yeah. You can all even not be sure if somebody actually got killed or not. You know, it's like they keep it really tame because they they don't want anybody to be offended by violence, um, or they go over the top and it's like explicitly gory. Um, and like I I don't like gore. You know, I I don't like I I hate horror movies because I don't like gore at all. You know, a psychological horror movie is good to me, but you know something like Saw. I don't understand why that's even popular because I think it's just disgusting. Me too. That's just me. It's fine if other people like it. And I think that Valiant, with uh, with their violence and when they have like a nice violent kill scene, it's not hidden, but it's not like excessively explicit either. Like there can be blood and guts, but it's not it's not something that you look at and, like have you know nightmares about later. You know, well, here's what you need to know about my personality. I like I like Valiant comics, so that means that I like something that the vast majority of comic fans are not even aware of or don't like for the most part. So that is a scene where people really like it. So I guess I just can't because <laughs> I, I can't like things that people like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess like ultimately what it was is that yeah. scene made, made XO catch my attention, whether sure. or not it was a, 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 you know, a good or a bad panel that just kind of made me like, go like, Oh, look at what that guy just did. You know? And then so, it made me go back and read the rest of EXO. Yeah. So that that's interesting that it got you into the rest of Valiant. So let's 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 look at the two things. They have really nothing to do with each other except they have the same name. But I think it's a good place that we can use to wrap up our conversation. Um, uh, how do you feel about the VEI Unity event uh, now that you've read the original Unity? I can see where people who read VH1 first could be frustrated with the VEI Unity, and that may be reflected in the in the numbers of sales. You know, people who are the old school fans that aren't just all in on VEI may not be interested in Unity because they expected, you know, what what they got the first time around. Um, but because I didn't go about it that way, I read the new Unity first. Um, I think it's a very good book that uh, suffers for being too tied into other titles throughout its run so far. I agree, um, yeah. Its, its first arc was tied into EXO, so it essentially was, you know, uh, ancillary to, to EXO. 
its second arc wasn't anybody's favorite, the Dr. Silk arc. It, and in fact, it felt like it had to wrap up so that they could get to where they needed to be for the next arc. Exactly, like yeah. They could have, like that could have been a longer story. Yeah, and it, you know, they, like, I, I don't think that anything they did in that period, from from Exo to Killing Time to the uh, the Armor Hunters series, like, I like what they did with Exo, I like what they did with Armor Hunters, and they gotta do something in the middle. So I don't think that they necessarily did, like, mishandled it at all. Yeah. Um, but it still has, has over time, made the, the uh, title suffer. Then you go through Armor Hunters, which is basically the, this is what Ninjak and, and Gilad are doing during Armor Hunters. So it, it was, I, I think it was better than Armor Hunters Bloodshot or Armor Hunters Harbinger was. Um, not that either of those were necessarily bad. Um, I enjoyed reading them both, but I thought that Unity was still better. Because it, you know, it was, it was telling its own story, but it was more closely tied to the actual events of the core Armor Hunters story. Whereas the other two were were side stories, so they weren't as tied in, even though they were connected. Um, then after you get out of Armor Hunters, what did we have right after Armor Hunters with Unity? The United arc. We had United, which was a good arc. Yeah. And then after the United was uh, the, that's the one that I don't what the one that just wrapped up that I don't know what it's called. Because I can't yeah. think of it off the top of my head, but yeah, I don't, I don't either. But as the 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 series of kind of individual character profiles yep. that ended with, I love how they did that arc, by the way. We'll get into that in a second. Um, but so you know, you have a, an an EXO tie-in, then you have their own story that wasn't really a story that anybody loved. Then you have the Armor Hunters tie-in. Then you had the United story, which was good, but it was also only three issues, and I felt like it. Abruptly ended because it was only three issues, and I, I have grown to expect four from an arc nowadays. Um, and I, I, I do like even like I, I haven't reread it yet as just altogether, but like I, I feel like it was kind of brought to a conclusion pretty abruptly. Plus, when you look at that arc, it was its own story, but it was still dealing with Armor Hunters events. It was dealing with the fallout from Armor Hunters for Unity, so it was still the kind of the aftershock of, of them being tied into something else. Now, this last arc that we've had with uh, the character profiles, I think that this is a good place for them to set Unity up to grow stronger on its own. Um, you know, we we already... Hey, so the Ninjak one came before his, his own series came out. So that, that honestly almost made it look like, you know, it was setting up for his series. And then, I mean, maybe he would even depart the team at that point if they're taking him off into that direction. Yep. I don't really feel that way now. I, I Like, now I think that, you know, these are stories that have always coincided. Now they're just telling both stories. Um, you know, they started with him, uh, and it was a good introduction to kick off his series as well. But we didn't get to know like the person of Ninjak all that much yet, so that was good. And then we got the uh, the Eternal Warrior one, which he's had plenty of issues devoted to him. But how much did we really get to know him? And I think that what they did with that, like that one issue with Eternal Warrior, was better than either of the runs that were his titles, um, as far as as character development. Um, and then you got the Livewire one, where she's been, you know, really underexplored until now. So it was really good to, to get to know her a little bit better. And then I love that they did all these individual one-shot things like that, where you got to know the character. You knew that they were coming off of a mission and they were beat. That's about all you knew. And then you get to the mission. And I love that. I love how they did that. I'm baffled by the sales on that book. 
Yeah. It, it, it's better than than what it's what it's sold for. I, it just it makes no I, sense to me. It's yeah, a great I, I think it it just it, I I still I, I think it suffers for the fact that that people aren't necessarily reading it for the sake of it. They're you know they're reading it for the sake of other stuff really. Even and even though they they've had arcs that are not connected to something else. It's, you know, like, half the time it's been kind of focused on other titles, which, you know, kind of happens with team books, but I, I think they're in a position now where it doesn't really have to, because sure. it's not going to tie in with the Ninjak story. The Ninjak story is its own thing. Um, they're not necessarily happening at the same time or anything. Um, and EXO is, you know, very little a part of Unity now. Um and I think that's fine. Like, I, I don't think they need to make him a part of the team. It's fine that he's kind of connected because there's going to be that connection because the U.S. government is setting up a place for his people. But they, I don't think he needs to be a central character in Unity. Uh, so this this is really, you know, a good opportunity for them to to develop the team and to really just get into what the team is and what they're doing. And uh, seeing some previews about the next arc that's going to be happening, it's it sounds you know like this is a story that isn't about what else is going on in the Valley Universe. This is just a story about what's going on in Unity. Thank you all for tuning in. Be sure to visit the website nerdylegion.com to find this show and all our other shows. You can also email us at at gmail.com or find us on Twitter. Thanks. And see you next week.